So we had this baler in the back. So all of the <laughs> no no no, it's nothing crazy. But so all all of the groceries come in in these big cardboard boxes off the trucks, and then you load it into the inventory room in the back, and then you have all of these cardboard boxes left over. And we had this big machine called a baler that you would shove the boxes in, it would smash it up, and then it would wrap it with wire and make a bale, like a you know a bale of hay, but a bale of cardboard. And then we would load it up on a pallet jack, and we had a. Welcome to 33 Tangents, a roundtable discussion covering a wide variety of topics from digital analytics to working remotely to current happenings in business and technology. Your hosts, Jason Thompson, John Moran, Jen Coons, and myself, Jim Driscoll, all live in different areas of the world, but work together in the same company. Our regular day-to-day conversations often go off in various directions, and the goal of this podcast is to share our ideas and find new ways to engage with others. You're stealing my line. I know. I know. Made a uh, made a mocha this morning with the coffee mm. maker. Yeah, I got some uh, chili chocolate, and I uh, brewed a shot over a square of chocolate. So the chocolate melted as the shot brewed on top of it. Oh, that sounds awesome! It's, yeah, it's quite delicious. I'm going nice. to try that because I've got the Nespresso in addition to the Keurig. Mm-hmm. And I, to be honest with you, I, I, I never thought of doing that, just getting a little piece of chocolate, dump it in the cup, and then just brew the uh, brew the coffee over it. Yeah, yeah. It adds a whole new dimension. I went with like a, a chili chocolate, so it's got a little bit of spice to it as well. It's nice. Oh, fun. Yeah. So John, I, I keep uh, I keep going past the uh, street foods, and for some reason haven't watched it yet. So it, it keeps calling my name. Hmm. It's probably the algorithm. The algorithm <laughs> is calling be. your name. Yes. <laughs> so it will be soon. Do Do you have an echo in your office with you? I do. The echo heard you talking. Then is that what it is? <laughs> it, it had to. <laughs> Yeah, something like that, something like that. So what's going on? Such a low energy start to this this episode. Uh, it, <laughs> it'll days. get moving. It's real. It's, it's authentic. It's because you're not on you're not on camera. We're having a hard time connecting here. Am I not? No. No, your camera's turned off. Oh, weird. It, I actually see myself. We don't. I saw you a minute ago, and then something oh, wait. changed it. Does this work? There you go. Yeah, that works. Odd. I'm yeah. not getting because I have, you know, a, an external monitor with a camera, and then my laptop monitor, and they both are on right now. And the preview I'm getting is the one the opposite to what you're seeing. Hmm. Really? So I have no idea why. That is, that is bizarre. It is bizarre oh, and a okay, bit scary. So when you come into the green room area, like you'll mm-hmm. see each item that's selected. So like right now, like in the little block for you, I hover over the camera and I see that it's got the Logitech webcam yeah. picked. So I'm wondering if, yeah, it, it might've been something where it may have initially defaulted to the one and now it's switched over to the other. Cause that's what happened to me with the microphone a couple of weeks ago. Very odd. I did just upgrade to the latest version of Chrome, which was just released. Okay. And then it all went haywire. <laughs> I, need to, I need to do that. I was I was upgrading browsers yesterday. I haven't used Firefox in forever, but I saw um, a couple posts about Firefox's new privacy settings. Um, so I wanted to download the new version of Firefox and go through the onboarding flow yesterday. So that was interesting. Hmm. Everyone's getting privacy heavy. Yep. Yeah, it was interesting to see how easy it was to block. So the new um, the new Firefox by default blocks all 
trackers that use a third-party cookie, which um, shouldn't be the case anymore. But I, I will tell you that there are a handful of very, very large enterprise brands that are on Adobe Analytics. N none of our clients. Um, mm -hmm. But, you know, it's kind of a sickness when you do this as a, as a job. I don't know if you guys do this, but... I tend to keep my debugger open or the, the network tab open on Chrome. And as I surf sites just for pleasure, I'm constantly looking at their analytics and it's just, it's a sickness, but I do. Um, and there are, and I'm not going to name names, a handful of very large brands that are on Adobe Analytics that are still running third-party cookies. Ouch. The new Firefox by default will, will absolutely block that. Mm -hmm. Wow. And it's interesting, um, it, it also has this little shield icon that you can pop up, and it will tell you all of the known trackers that are on the page, mm -hmm. and you can choose to right there individually block them or, or block them all, and, and it does, it, it, right, it full out just blocks the call. Does it, do you notice that it makes the experience faster? No. The, the user experience? No. Right. It, it's negligible to me. Interesting. Yeah. Anyway, interesting stuff. We we maybe should uh, track down a privacy expert. I, I I've been writing about it a little bit in our our weekly newsletter with um, Apple's ITP two point. I think they're up to two point two now or something. Um, lots of interesting stuff going on in the in the privacy space, and I'm just not qualified to, to talk about it at depth but it is an interesting topic and I know it's one that you, we've talked about a little bit in the past um, and John you had some some thoughts on probably a, a good future conversation if we knew some privacy expert yeah I mean well, why don't we throw it out there you know for, for anybody who's listening who yeah I mean I, I'm, I, I know enough you know you know for you know for, for the job but like you know I uh, like as you said, an expert would be really good to have somebody on. So we'll throw it out there. If there's anybody who really knows the inner workings of all of this, you know, please reach out. We'd love to have you on and love to to pick your brain about this. Yeah, that would be that would be cool. Um, all right. So what are we uh, rather than just talking about random topics? And John's saying we're low energy this morning. This morning, this afternoon. Well, it's early, early morning for me. I don't know what time it is in in Bangkok. It's probably late at night. Nine. All right. Yeah, not too bad. So just you're just getting to dinner time. Yeah, I guess so. Didn't you say it wasn't? Didn't we do a recording once where you said in the summer it's so hot that like everyone stays inside until it gets really cool and then they go out? Oh yeah, that's pretty much like a a lot of yeah. I mean. You're either inside during during the day or, um, but yeah, at night everything comes alive because the weather. But uh, yeah, so yeah, it's not too late for sure. Cool. All right, Jim. What are we What are we doing today? Okay. So I, I think the, the the privacy conversation at the beginning actually serves as a a, a really good segue. Um, you know, to, you know, as, as things change. Um, you know, like um, you, you need to grow, you need to to adapt. Um, so what I want to talk about today is, and we, we've touched on this in little bits in very old episodes, um, but how to, how do you develop transferable skills? Uh, because if, if you think about it, a job that is in high demand today can easily become obsolete in the future. Um, as time progresses, industries can and will contract. Um, job automation has always been and always will be a threat to jobs, no matter the skill level. You know, uh, you know, you know, every now and then you hear people scream, you know, the robots are coming to take our jobs. You know, there's a grocery store chain uh, near me that has like this, you know, AI powered little robot that constantly goes up and down the aisles looking for spills and notifies, you know, the staff of problems and, and whatnot. But, you know, if you think about it for us, you know, as AI is becoming more and more of a reality, you know, 
our, our could our jobs, you know, what, what we're used to doing be be a threat as well. So looking across industries, you know, what are key transferable skills that people should really develop? How do they go about it? Because I think at some point in everyone's career, you're going to face that that, that, that point where it's, I can continue do what I, doing what I'm doing, but I'm becoming, you know, the, the pond is becoming smaller and smaller, um, and I, I need to, to, to make a move. As a, as a side note, um, my first real, well, yeah, my first real job where, where I had taxes taken out of my check at 15 was in a grocery store. And, uh, we did all sorts of messing around because I, I, you know, I would go to school during the day and then work the like seven to 1130 PM shift. And there was much messing around. If we had robot cleaners in the grocery store, Oh man, we would have had a heyday with that. That would have been amazing. Um, but uh, yeah, it's an interesting conversation, um, and there's there's lots of ways that that we can take this, um, and it it really affects all industries. And it's not really limited to AI or automation. It's you know as as the landscape changes, jobs change, and you know we we've seen it moving from uh, a time where we were um, prepared to work in factories and, and that was the thing and there had to be a mental shift. We're seeing a really interesting thing here in, in Utah. Um, I, I think from the just pure geography of the state, we have a, a very compact um, population center, which I think is, is true of much many parts of the country, uh, where most of the jobs and growth are happening in a really small sliver of the state. But then you have these other parts of the state that have, have historically um, been supported by things like coal and, and gas, oil, and there's a lot of struggle there. And there's a lot of people trying to keep hold of what has been historically the past. How can we maintain those jobs and support that? Uh, and I think that that's one of the biggest skills or one of the biggest things that anybody can have is not... Um, not attaching to any one job or any one skill because the minute you do that i think it's a it's a it's a very weak foundation to be on because things are changing so quickly you know especially in in the technology space and as technology impacts what we do whether it's ai or robots coming in to automate um, the people that are willing to be adaptable and and move to things that are opening up as other things are becoming automated um, those are the ones that will will thrive, and 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 again, I don't think this is anything new. Uh, if you if we go back mm-hmm. in history and and study when the assembly line came in place, I, I'm sure that that was scary and replaced a lot of jobs as we as we had a repeatable process and and that came into play. I'm sure there were similar conversations. It would be interesting to be a fly on the wall and go back in history and see how people were talking about, you know, the assembly lines are going to take all of our jobs. You know, I'm mm-hmm. sure it's very similar to to what we hear a lot today with the robots and AI are going to take our jobs. Um it didn't really happen, did it? I mean, yes, those jobs disappear, but new opportunities were created. And and again, I think the biggest skill that people can have is being open to taking advantage of those those new opportunities. Yeah, and I'm I'm definitely not implying that the, this is anything new. In fact, if anything, I, I looking back at the last thirty years alone, it seems like every five years or so, there's that big spike the big fear-mongering on the news like oh my god these jobs are going away or oh this new first of all the news sucks oh yeah no i i i I, I, trust me i've had that conversation with suzanne many many times i'm like at this point the news is nothing but fear-mongering in general but you know you um you know fear-mongering it keeps you kind of in this state of constant fear and you're, you're you know scared to go out of the house um that that being said, it feels like you know every five years or so, like they have the the big story about the newest technology that's going to eliminate all of these jobs and all of these people are are, are scared. So yeah, it's definitely nothing new. I mean, it's been this way all the time. You know, the automobile is is going to take you know jobs away from people that you know work with you know horses, for example. Like you can even go back say that far. Um, and I'm just kind of making something up off the cuff to, to be even even older than, say, the assembly line. Um, so, 
yeah, I, I like the idea of like you know just just the broad, um, the broad soft skill of just being adaptable. Um, I, I think yeah, I mean that, that, that's a key attribute anybody needs. Yeah, and I and I don't know how you develop that or or what the process is, but um, you know I've had the opportunity to speak with several graduate classes at, at different universities across the country, and it's a question that I get asked all the time. You know, what's the most important skill I should be learning while I'm at, uh, at uh, in university, at college, what what should I be picking up? And and that's really the number one thing that I, I talk to students about is being able to be uncomfortable because especially if you're going to work in tech, which has a flow down effect of um, impacting so many different industries, but things are changing so quickly. I mean, if we just look in the analytics space, and we've talked about it a lot internally, is how do we keep up? You know, it seems like there's a new technology coming on the market every week. The cloud vendors have done a phenomenal job in increasing their innovation rate. Uh, you know, how do you keep up with just this one space? It's it's really difficult. But I think a big part of it is allowing yourself to be uncomfortable because so many people get to a point where they feel like they've, quote, made it. Mm-hmm. And this is this is my path and I'm going to hang on to it. And if we draw parallels back to how we kicked off this conversation, you know, if 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 my whole career was to work in out in the in the oil fields and, you know, I reached a certain level of, of comfort and I've made it, then, you know, I become comfortable and we see it in technology all the time. You know, you learn a specific technology, you get to a certain level of accepted expertise and I've made it. You know, you no longer push yourself to learn new things. And it's that is at the most dangerous time. And again, especially in the space that we work in, because things are are changing so quickly that then again, the number one thing that I tell students is figure out how to feel uncomfortable. And and by that, I mean that, you know, you'll never be comfortable that you've made it. You know, there's never a destination where this is it because you have to push yourself to continually be uncomfortable about picking up and and learning new things. Yeah, that's that's absolutely true. And I think the the types of jobs that are most uh, probably potentially impacted by automation and robots and that type of thing are are those jobs which typically I'm trying to I'm trying to think how to word this without sounding very controversial, but the ones that generally are more are less knowledge uh, industry types of jobs. I think it's more, there's more service, more menial types of, you know, labor intensive jobs. I feel like those are the, the types of jobs that are probably most immediately in danger of getting replaced by technology versus knowledge worker type of jobs, which still require a lot of creativity generally in this in and I think that aspect is probably one of the hardest things of, for AI to really get correct the creative um, aspect I don't know. Um, I'm actually going to debate you on that I'm going to take the other side okay. just because everything I'm reading about AI mm-hmm. now can the AI that exists today take over say like what you would consider like uh, the, the the white collar information you know the information worker jobs. The, the the consultant no um will it ever fully be able to i don't think so but i think there are certain aspects of at least looking at say our industry specifically i think there are certain aspects of things that we do that as they develop ai i think there is actually the distinct possibility that there are certain things we do that ai can take over i do um, think eventually or at least, yeah. or at least start to to pare down where maybe say you had three people running something you just need one person versus three because several aspects of the job has been taken over by ai and then you just have one person to 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 make sure that things run run smoothly um at least you know if the way they're talking about ai the way it's going to become i i I think that there, there may actually be the distinct possibility of it yeah, no, I, I do think at, at one point in the future that um, AI should be able to surpass most every job, potentially. But mm-hmm. I, I just think that time is still a long ways away, mm-hmm. basically. It, I, it, it has helped. I mean, I think what we've seen in our industry so far are there things that have helped 
many aspects of it. Uh, I think more, it, it feels like more on the data science side, potentially. Um, not really the interpretation of, you know, the, the actual analysis that I've seen and the communication aspect that is to me, like more the creative side of analytics. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But I think a lot of the things that we do is just sort of our normal processing that can mm -hmm. take it, you know, that, that will take over again. So it may not be like you have three people running something today and all three people are out of a job. It could be something where it, it's, it's pared down to one person. The AI is able to automate so much of say what maybe two other people do that, yeah, you just have the, the one person. Yeah, it, it's definitely not going to happen tomorrow. It's not going to happen next month. But, you know, the, 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 the growth in AI that at least I've seen, at least I've been reading about, I think it's, it's it, it, the distinct possibility of that happening sometime in the future is there. Well, the amount of times that AI was mentioned at, at, at Adobe Summit this year, I can only, must have already taken over. Buzzword. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> it, does, it does make an interesting dividing line, um, you know, looking at the, the topic for today being... Um, how do we develop transferable skills? It, it almost feels like we're, we're drawing a line between hard and soft skills that more of the mm -hmm. time, the hard skills tend to be on the side of things that um, over time become more and more automated. And the soft skills are the things that are, are very difficult to, to automate and are the things that, that are, are more transferable. So if we look at our industry, um, let's say the, the implementation piece, Let, let's talk about the, the act of, of just data cleansing, data preparation. If, if we go back in, in time, um, a lot of that has been automated quote unquote for us. So, you know, if you look at what we get out of a Google analytics or an Adobe analytics, a lot of the data that we have accessible to us, we don't have to do the work. So if an analyst back in the late 90s is looking at this and they're going to be like, well, well, what's an Omniture? What's a Google going to do? They're going to take my job because I spent 80% of my time preparing the data from these log files. It's right, right? Mm -hmm. um, last night I was playing around with some uh, open data from the state of Utah plotting parks. And I spent like two hours just cleaning the data and getting it into a format I could actually do something with it. Um, and so, you know, again, like in this space, we've probably already seen that automation. We've seen that, you know, a lot of that has been taken away. And again, it's this more of the, the hard skills, but the soft skills are, are harder to, 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 uh, to automate and transition. So it, as AI takes over, maybe more and more of the implementation aspects, more and more of the data preparation and cleansing aspects, it's, gonna, it's going to be an opportunity for those soft skills as an architect, as an analyst, as someone actually building the systems that can be completely transferable. Yeah, I think there's a lot of soft skills even, you know, that, that we do that are not even interfacing with a computer. I mean, mm -hmm. uh, I, I think of communication, evangelism, that side of things. In the foreseeable future, I don't see changing that drastically. I mean, maybe I'm completely off base here, but yeah, no, I, I, I do think there's a, yeah, I, I don't know. It's uh unless just the, the way that, I mean, businesses are really structured at a very deep level changes quite drastically no and i and i don't think it is a drastic change i think it's it, one, it could be a slow change yeah it's, it's one of those things yeah. where it changes and changes and changes and then one day you wake up and you're like what the hell happened <laughs> right and so that that's kind of the danger of it is it lulls you into a sense of comfort that you know my my job is never going to become obsolete and and again that goes back to the advice that i'm i'm giving these new college students that are coming into the market is that never never be Never be comfortable complacent. with where you're at. Yeah, yeah never be complacent because it's so easy. You know, to your point, it like it's not like tomorrow we wake up and and a major vendor introduces something and all of a sudden like everything we knew is changed and we're out of job. It doesn't work that way. It's very slow and it erodes and changes slowly until one day it's just boom, it's there. And maybe in that moment of time, we're like, 
wow, that just happened overnight. But if you take a step back and look at the history, you're like, wow, this was like the slowest moving iceberg ever. Mm-hmm. Um, but when you're so focused on the day to day, it's hard to, it's hard to see that. So, yeah. Yeah. And it's, what. Uh, go ahead. No, I was going to say, and that's where, when I was thinking of this topic, you know, one of the things I, I thought of is say that person who is very far along in their career, you know, they've built a 20 year, 25 year career. So maybe they're in their mid to late forties and they've been doing the, this one thing for such a long time. And they necessarily, you know, ne- they necessarily weren't paying attention to those small little changes. So for them, yes, it was that change overnight, um, and because they weren't necessarily paying attention, they were just focused on what they did. And this is their their bread and butter. This is where they made everything that they, you know, they, they made all their money at. Now all of a sudden, they're kind of like, what, what what do I do now? Think of it this way. Let's use another sports analogy. You know, like how many times do you hear these athletes? They're so focused in the now because that's when their career is. And granted, they know they have short careers. When they retire, how many athletes just like, like they, 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 they kind of, they, they have a trouble transitioning to retirement because either maybe an injury knocked them out a couple seasons early or they were so focused on playing that all of a sudden they hit 37, 38 and like, okay, maybe it is time to, to hang it up. And now it's like, what do I, what do I do now? So that's actually the kind of person I was thinking of is that person who say, you know, much further along in their career. And now all of a sudden they're they're faced with this change because they weren't necessarily uh, attuned to the subtle changes in the industry that, that that were happening. So, yeah, looking at our industry specifically, I don't think that something's going to happen overnight. But, I, you know, if, if we don't pay attention to those changes, if we don't prepare ourselves that eventually there is the possibility that even our jobs can be automated to a degree where, what is in com- incredibly high demand today, that demand could start to start to dry up. So no, and it, and it will, yeah. right? And if we look at the way that that we do things, we I think we could be a little bit more complacent and it'd be fine and have a little bit stress and ha- a little less stress in how we operate. But that is one of my my biggest fears is that that happening, and and so that's why. I tend to operate on a level of being uncomfortable all the time because I don't want that to happen where we wake up one day and all of a sudden there's been a major shift and we've we've missed it. And, you know, without going too far off topic, it's something that concerned me from the very early days when I first started doing consulting. Um, I noticed how dangerous it was to be a consultant uh, 100% of the time, meaning mm-hmm. If all of my energy was was placed into doing direct client work, I had no energy to keep up with new technology, new things that were happening, and it scared me. And I saw in every this wasn't just one company. I saw in every company that that I worked for. I'm like, this is really really dangerous. We're we're at the top of our game now, but something can change. And and how are we going to keep up? And so it's one of the reasons why. Um, with with our specific model that we've deployed, one of the reasons why uh, we chose to to go down that path is I wanted to have that opportunity for us to constantly be learning. You know, I don't want to be the guy out in the oil field that one day wakes up and you know all of the the plants are closed down. And we don't know what to do, and and so you know, giving ourselves time to really uh, play around and understand what's happening in the market. Uh, it adds a lot of, I think, additional pressure and sometimes stress to what we do. But again, that's all by design to ensure that we're we're doing the best we can um, to make sure that we're keeping up with the direction that that the market is is going. Yeah, and actually, that, that that's a good point because you know the, the, the consultant is the prime prime example, especially in a very hot industry. And it's funny, just in general, whenever I hear someone talk about oh man, times are great right now that, that there's a ton of business or, you know, it's the golden age of this particular space. I'm like, uh-oh, you know, you, you, you're due for, uh, you know, you're, you're due for a, a roller coaster ride down a hill soon. Um, so, you know, let, let, let's drill into the, the consultant there for, for, for a second, you know, especially that consultant that, um, again, just focuses on the work of, of today. You know, you had mentioned, and I don't necessarily want, need, you know, want you to, to, to repeat what you just said, but um, you know, w- with that kind of person who is just 
focused on the now. What are some other recommendations other than say be uncomfortable or be aware of, of, of changes? What are maybe some changes in behavior that, that that person can employ so they don't get stuck in that routine and 10 years goes by and all of a sudden there's this major shift that they weren't ready for? Jeez, I, I don't know if there's a specific skill, but for me, the differentiator is is a love of learning, a love of knowledge. And it's one of the things that, that scares me is there's such a um, anti-higher education kind of pushback on education in general feel in, in, in the country and in the world right now. That's one of the biggest things that, that scares me in that college was an amazing experience for me, but the biggest thing that I walked away with was a desire and a framework for, for lifelong learning. And I think that there are so many people that, that lack that and you get into a career, you get into a job and to your point, And I think John said it, the word is, is complacent. You become complacent. It's like I've arrived, you know, I've, I've done all my schooling. There's this end point where I, I can quit learning and quit progressing now. And, and really that is, is the danger and, and, you know, that's one of the biggest things that I think higher education instills in, in a lot of kids that go through the, the system is this just desire to continually be learning, continually to continuing to, to grow. And, and I would say that if you've recognized that in yourself, that you've become stagnant and that, you know, your, your industry, your job is, is outpacing you that that is the biggest skill more than any other soft skills, any other hard skills is developing a thirst for, for knowledge and continuing education, because that will, that will almost ensure that you stay ahead of the wave. Well, it's funny. You talk about that you know, people talk about, you know, you know, joking about, you know, that that person who say peaked in high school or peaked in college, you know, as, as a far off tangent here, um, yeah, the other night I was flipping around the TV and uh, the Breakfast Club was on. So I was watching that. Like, I caught it in the middle. I was watching that for a little bit. And then I remembered a little while ago someone telling me, like, one of the little nuggets that they snuck in there is, is as the movie's opening and, like, they're panning around the school, you kind of see the plaque on the wall of, like, you know, the person of the year. And you come to find out later on, I think it's, like, the janitor. You know, he, he was a student there. He was, like, the person of the year, peaked in high school. Um... And, you know, had never left the school, you know. Um, so it, it's kind of an, an interesting topic there that he never really grew beyond the, 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 the school. He peaked in high school and, you know, and, and then that was it. But, I mean, how amazing were 80s movies? Probably oh, like... Oh, yeah, you, you can't beat I mean, them. jeez. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we... We, we maybe need a future podcast discussing the best 80s movies of all time. Although, there, there, there's a whole group of people and we have certain employees at 33 Sticks that are on the younger side that have never seen some of the most classic 80 movies of all time and it, it just makes me sad. I'm like, oh, <laughs> best, best cheesy movies ever. And speaking of that, and like way, way side tangent, and I'll see if I can find the clip and and load it and load it up, or have it linked up in the in the notes for this on on the post. But um, have I mentioned how I've gone down these rabbit holes on YouTube of just watching certain things? Yes. Um, so remember, I think we talked about the guy that was doing like stuff on the old '80s keyboards. No, you never. Mentioned oh. That. All right, well, from him, I jumped over to another guy that uses these little electronic keyboards to recreate, like, known beats and known songs. And um, he used this tiny little processor keyboard thing to recreate um, the theme song from Beverly Hills Cop. It was awesome. Nice. I, I got to quit going down these rabbit holes, but there's so much... Nice. There's so much amazing stuff on YouTube. And last night, I didn't go to bed until 1 o'clock because I found this amazing channel that breaks down um, how all these magicians on, like, America's Got Talent and uh, Fool, Penn, and Teller do the tricks, and it's just mesmerizing to me. I'm like, there's just so much cool stuff on YouTube. Mm -hmm. Yes. <laughs> By design. <laughs> yes. By design, but I don't know if they really did. Do you think they thought about it at the time, like how much, how talented people were and how creative people were? You know, we've had this whole industry where content had to be in these big production houses, and and it's all of a sudden, nah. You know, your next door neighbor can create amazing content. 
No, and it's it's completely dis- you know you want to talk about disrupting an industry you know has has that industry gone out of business? No, but it's definitely thrown several wrenches at them, and they've had to had to adjust to it. For sure, for sure, yeah. Um, all right, sorry, I got us way. Yeah. Um, so, so going back to, you know, you mentioned earlier on that, you know, I think we, we, we've definitely set a clear delineation between hard skills and, and, and soft skills. And we talk, you know, so far we've spent a lot of time talking about soft skills. And I think that's, those, those soft skills help in the long term. They help you from becoming stagnant or, or complacent and, you know, keep you aware of, you know, little industry changes that, that, that add up over time. You know, to that, um, I think, you know, it's the hard skills, too, that can help. I think they are, say, maybe like more like the short term piece. You know, if, if, say, like your industry is going through a contraction, you want to make a pivot to, say, an industry that's growing. You know, you may not necessarily have industry experience, but there's certain skills that you have that could help you moving, say, from one industry to another. Um, you know, any, any thoughts on like you know, th- th- those kinds of hard skills? Or um, that, that, that could be like a short-term fix. Jeez, I, 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 don't, I don't know. I mean, I don't know. I think there, there are definitely lots of hard skills that, that people can add and, and pivot to. Um, and I think a lot of that comes from, from scarcity. I, you know, I think we see that right now in, in just the development space. But I, I, I think that that's a natural shift. So, again, if we go back to this whole idea of the assembly line um, taking jobs away, it's also creating lots of jobs, right? It's mm-hmm. creating the people that are actually building and designing the assembly lines and, and maintaining the assembly lines. And I think we, we see that right now in, in technology where, you know, there's this fear that, that tech is taking people's jobs away but it's creating lots of new jobs and again specifically in the development space for people to create the the new assembly lines and maintain them and we're seeing such a shortage in in those creators um so i think from a hard skill perspective people that can invest in skills that are building and maintaining the things that are automating our jobs seems like a no-brainer place to bet whether that's electronics or 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 software development um, AI, understanding how to how to build those those software components. To me, that seems mm-hmm. like a no brainer place to invest from a hard skills perspective. <clears throat> See, I, I don't disagree with anything you guys are saying, but I guess I'm taking a little bit of the less uh, paranoid approach in a sense too. In the fact that I feel like when we talk about the state of things, we're talking about being in like the tech space and specifically like companies that are very advanced. But I feel like the majority of companies and industries around the world are way far behind in terms of getting to the point where AI might replace a lot of these knowledge jobs. Um, So I feel like another, I don't know if it's a skill or not, but strategy perhaps is to really spread out into other industries in a sense too, like less advanced industries. I mean, there's, there's, there's millions of companies that still are, you know, using paper file cabinets as a, as as an extreme example. So for those, I mean, it's, it's a lot, there's a lot more of a runway before we get to a point where, you know, jobs in those industries are going to be replaced. I feel like maybe I'm taking a very naive point of view to this uh, conversation, but I'm just thinking for people that are listening that are kind of really scared, their jobs are going to be replaced in the near future by machines. I I just feel like there's, there's certain strategies you can employ to probably safeguard your, your path for, for, for the, for a while. In a sense. Agreed. Agreed. So, so two points. One, I, I agree. Um, I'm not going to name the company, but I've, I've been to a company um, in the Midwest that if you walk into their offices, it's like you're walking into a time machine back to the 1960s. I'm like, this is what it must have felt felt like to work in corporate America in the 60s. It is the most bizarre thing that I've ever seen. And they make, <laughs> they make yeah. billions of dollars. So, yeah, I mean, these things change very slowly. On the, on the other hand, 
we are seeing absolute, you know, fallout from from change and maybe not directly with automation or AI, but I, you know, I continually kind of talk about the energy space because it's something that that I see firsthand here in Utah and and specifically with people I know that are are struggling that work in in industries and live in areas that are being drastically impacted by a reduction in in jobs in in the energy space and specifically in Utah in coal and gas. I mean, it's a very very real impact. So at some point in time it does happen. So, you know, we're yeah. talking about very kind of blue collarish type things and and leading into more white collar stuff. So, perhaps the stuff that that we're doing is further out in the future, but, you know, it will it will happen. Um yeah. I don't think I don't think we need to be paranoid about it by any means. And again, I don't think that this is anything new. You know, we started off the conversation talking about this is this is, you know, this happened totally. before. It will happen again. So I think the biggest you know takeaway is just that it, it's not it's not healthy to operate out of a state of fear or paranoia. Um, but I think it is healthy to be off balance a bit, you know, and be un- uncomfortable, never be complacent. I like the word complacent, you know, to continually be learning and adding new skills. You know, ultimately, that's going to be the protection because we can't we can't predict predict what's going to happen as good as our machine learning and predictive analytics. Like we can't predict, you know, something massive could happen tomorrow that shifts the entire direction of everything we're doing. So it's that ability to be adaptable is what I think um allows people to survive and thrive and and ultimately humans are are very adaptable creatures that's why we've i think gotten to this point in evolution over the years is that we've been able to adapt to to the environment and Mm -hmm. those that are that have the ability to adapt the most are the ones that are able to take advantage of new landscapes and but i i agree with you john i don't i don't think by any means a lot of the stuff that's being pushed down our throats and the narratives from a lot of the the news outlets that AI is coming to take our jobs and it's going to take over and we're going to wake up tomorrow and we're all going to be out of jobs. I, you know, I, I think that's, that's kind of nonsense to sell clicks and eyeballs for advertising. Yeah. I mean, tariffs and things are much more <laughs> risk factors for, for job loss and the current state of things. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, and I, I know meant, you know, no, in no way meant for this to kind of be falling in with that fear mongering narrative you're hearing all over the place. It's just, it, it again, it's just something that seems to, 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 to crop up. And, you know, when, when it does happen or it feels like there's been a major shift again, it's been one of these slow creeps. And, you know, the people who were caught off guard were necessarily either not aware of it, whether it's, through them or somebody else kept them blind to it so how do you keep that and yes like i I feel like the minute you start to get comfortable that's when that's when you could be taken advantage of by something like that so again yeah not meant to be a a a, a fear-mongering kind of conversation i i I, yeah yeah no yeah no but yeah no no, i I agree with that um yeah in terms of adaptability I, i definitely agree and just kind of I think in in um, along the same lines of that, it's really just having um, an understanding of things beyond your specific scope. I mean, I think that just mm-hmm. helps you to adapt uh, to other angles to what you you know to leverage your skills in different directions mm-hmm. as well. Agreed. Yeah. Um, but by the way, so going back to how we started this off, I posted a link to an article about the grocery store chain, the one local to me that uh, is adding the little robots. And if you click on it, you'll see a, uh, you'll see uh, a picture of the robot that just walks up and down the aisles or technically rolls. Did it mention in the article, did anyone lose their jobs because of that robot? (laughs) Yeah. Oh my gosh. That is awesome. (laughs) It has eyeballs. It has eyeballs. Yeah. I wonder the problem. It's probably sensors, right? Or is it just for looks? Well, no, the the eyeballs, they're just like googly eyes they put on there to give it <laughs> some kind of face. But there's a sensor uh, on it that, you know, again, it's kind of scanning the floor looking for spills or stuff that needs to be cleaned up. Interesting. I mean, it happens, right? There's I, I can't remember where I saw it, but I was watching a, a little mini documentary on the future of convenience stores. And I, I, I want to say it's somewhere in Europe that there's this convenience store that 
doesn't have any employees in the customer facing area of the store. You go in there and you interface with some kind of technology. These robots go into the back, put your order together, and it comes out and, and gives you what you, you purchased all packaged up and ready to go. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's an extreme example, but I mean, it does happen, right? Like, so I, I think it's, it's, it's scary to say that like these things, these these, these things don't happen. But to John's point, you know, it's not like we're going to wake up tomorrow and it's a completely different landscape. Um, but I think that that, that kind of helps support my point is that it could be easy to be lulled into a sense of comfort because it is well, such a slow moving change. The, the other, the other side of that though, is that progress is probably not a linear line. It's probably an exponential line. So it probably, the progress will probably pick up as we go along as, as well. Yeah, for sure. But, I, there are a lot of like in the in the case of you know your example of this automated grocery store. I don't know about it, but I just imagine, yeah, maybe that the side of you know packaging the order, you know, um, presenting it, it might be automated. But what about making the actual order process? I imagine right. there's still probably people no, that for, require help. Yeah, yeah, for for, that. for for sure. And I I think that that kind of speaks to my point is that if you look at the things that are being put in place to help automate that to me is an easy path to follow of where the jobs are are going because those things yeah. need people They're to shifting. create yeah that's where the the jobs are going so if you're if you're able to shift and pay attention to those trends then it's it's not that jobs are are being taken it's just that they're they're shifting and that and that mm-hmm. makes sense you know we yep. we we don't uh we don't need a lot of people in the downtown shop fixing soles on shoes, you know, anymore. You know, there's like lots of old jobs that have, have gone out and we could say, well, that's a, a horrible thing. But and someone lost their job, but it's just shifted to something else. And in a lot of cases, it created more jobs than ended up being taken away. Um, and there's a, the, a book I'm reading that's kind of making that argument, um, kind of a counter argument to automation and outsourcing that that's taking away it's specifically looking at the united states that it's taking away americans jobs because we're outsourcing this this work to mexico or to um, eastern europe and that's not fair because we're taking american jobs away but it but these economists are arguing the net net of it is is that it actually ends up creating more jobs not as only does it create more white collar higher paying jobs but it also creates more support jobs that support those higher paying jobs in the services space mm-hmm. um so you know we can cling on to what we've known and and kind of play a victim saying that our jobs are being stolen and taken away from us but i think that doesn't get us anywhere it may make us feel good that we can play the that that victim role but ultimately um if you believe that technology is is creating more opportunity that there's more opportunity for all of us. We just have to be open to that idea. And and again, I think that scares a lot of people because a lot of people get into a certain career or path in life and they've they've said it that that's what I'm going to do. That defines who I am and I'm not going to change from that. And and I think, you know, that that is the scary part. If you're mm-hmm. if you're open to following the direction and the waves that the new technology is creating, there's always going to be opportunity and new and new opportunities for employment. And looking at this picture, it makes me miss working in the grocery store. That was fun. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, I think back to a couple jobs I had in, in high school and college and what we, uh, what we got away with, you know, in, in the late nineties was, was amazing. I mean, n- nothing, <laughs> nothing illicit or illegal, but just stuff that, you know, like it with, 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 you know, what you would have today with just like red tape, they wouldn't let you do it. Like, sure. um, uh, I can say it now cause the company pretty much, you know, it, it, it still exists, but not necessarily the way it did. I worked, um, in college, I, I worked for gateway computers uh-huh. when they actually had the stores, you would go into the store and. You know, the solution expert would be there and help you customize your computer. You build it out, pay for it, and then it would arrive like a week later. Um, you know, so w- the land games were starting to become like the, the multiplayer land games were starting to become big. Um, I think Xbox had just come out. Um, but anyway, we installed um, one of the a couple of multiplayer demos on the machines kind of in the background. So when we would close the store, we'd all hang out and play for like an hour and a half just playing the multiplayer first-person shooter games 
um, on, on the computers, and it, it was a ton of fun. Something you couldn't do today no. in any kind of store. And I and I and I didn't work in a technology store, so I, we had to have a little bit more manual fun. So, mm-hmm. um, it, man, is that loud computer noise? Um, so, one of the fun things that we did at night, or one of our responsibilities, was to um, make bales. So okay. we had this baler in the back. So all of the oh dear god <laughs> no, no no it's nothing crazy but so all all of the groceries come in in these big cardboard boxes off the trucks and then you load it into the inventory room in the back and then you have all of these cardboard boxes left over and we had this big machine called a baler that you would shove the boxes in it would smash it up and then it would wrap it with wire and make a bale like a you know yeah. a bale of hay but a bale of cardboard and then we would load it up on a pallet jack and we had a ramp that went into the back parking lot, and we would see how far we could ride that bale out into the parking lot. Oh, was, fun. Nice. It, was, it was a good time. And, and did you ever make a fort with them? Um, we, 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 we did, and, and that was the, probably the closest time we got uh, to being caught is because we made a fort out in the store itself, and this was late at night, and we would put a person <laughs> inside the fort, and as people would walk down the aisle, they would like shift the fort a little bit, and people would freak out. <laughs> Looking back on it, if we had if we had iPhones and YouTube back then, we could have had an awesome channel. That would have been awesome. <laughs> you would have your own TV show scaring. We people, would. Like, it would probably know. be on True TV. Exactly. You know, it it would be leading into the Impractical Jokers. <laughs> yeah. Man, just you know, born in the wrong decade, but got to enjoy all those '80s shows. Yeah, sounds cool. <laughs> Yeah, I will try to find a way to integrate 80s movies into one of our like fun episodes coming up. Love me a good 80s movie. I mean, just the music. My favorite is... I, I don't know if there's been a genre since the 80s that has used music and the um, montage as well as the 80s movies. You know, mm-hmm. like... Revenge of the Nerds, they're cleaning up the broken down house, it, this music's playing, and then you have the montage of all this stuff happening. Just classic cinema. Yeah. Good <laughs> John's stuff. like, what the hell are you guys talking about? <laughs> cool. Well, this, was been, uh, this has been a good, uh, a good conversation. Yeah, no, this was, this was really, really good. Um, we actually had some debate this time, which was great. And and we got go, and we got going, you know. We yeah. we started off with some low energy here, but we. Uh, but the, our, we our podcasts going. are marathons, not sprints. We don't, you know, we 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 are not hitting full speed right yeah. out of the gate. No, that's fair enough. That's good. But I will say, I think you know, there was a couple things John said that gives me a great uh, cold open for for this episode. So I, uh, you know, when I go and edit it, you know, just like as well. That's stupid. You know, opening from a couple such weeks. A, always such have a, some weird line. Such a yeah. great. I have no filter. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right, guys. So, I guess we'll go ahead and uh, wrap up for now, and uh, you know, I'll catch you both later. All so, right, guys. sounds good. See ya. Bye. Thank you for listening to this week's episode. We hope you enjoyed it. If you'd like to reach us, you can do so by emailing podcast at 33sticks.com or on the web at www.33sticks.com. The 33 Tangents Podcast is a production of 33 Sticks.